topics and let you make your own decision. For those of you that aren't familiar with the show, I'm going to be taking an in-depth look at things you don't have time for or don't know about. I'll ask the hard questions and press officials for hard answers so that you are more empowered as a voter, a taxpayer, and most importantly, as a citizen. Today, I'm joined by Dom Gelsimino, an independent consultant and Meridian Parks and Rec Commissioner who has worked with both sides of the political world to find solutions to issues that affect all of us. Dom, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Justin, for having me. Absolutely. It's good to have you here. So you've been interested in politics a big chunk of your life, even going as far as obtaining a degree in political science. You've ran for office. You're serving as a commissioner for Meridian Parks and Rec, et cetera, et cetera. What actually drew you to the world of government and caused this drive in the first place? That is a great question, Justin, and my passion for history growing up really influenced it uh, to start off with. Service to my community and and giving back to my community was was another, and that was really ingrained and hardwired into me as as a kid growing up, and it became a a very strong passion. And then it's not that I consider myself as as one who has all the answers, but the the question of, if not me, who? And I I consider myself a a pretty decent human being. And I I feel that if the right people don't run and hold office, that the wrong people will. And we've already seen that happen multiple times, time and time again. And the the damage that that is caused by that is uh, sometimes catastrophic. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny. You mentioned you see yourself as a decent human being. It's unfortunate that that's a benchmark these days, right? <laughs> Just being a decent person. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, given your experience, you know, and obviously your drive to want to, you know, make a positive impact, be that right person who runs for office, you know, what are some things since you've served in various capacities, what are some issues that really resonate with you personally? Another great question. So a couple of of topics and two of them can really be combined actually all three of them can really be summed down to the very foundational one which is education and the other two are environment and public health but of course everything really has a foundation in education and if we don't have a sound common sense education system with a curriculum that is based on, first of all, reality, second of all, on sound policy. Uh, I mean, hey, we're, we're talking about policy, not politics. So uh, we need a, a, an education that is based on reality, sound policy, on concrete evidence and facts of success, and one that allows our students to absorb and apply for so many years, including in my years in middle school and in high school, because, you know, you you really don't remember a lot of your educational career in elementary school and and prior to elementary school. But really, when you get into middle school and high school, that's when it really counts and it really matters. And for so many years, I was fortunate enough to have amazing educators. I wouldn't be here if you know, I've been, I wouldn't be who I am today if it were not for them, you know, in combination with my parents. But, you know, you spend so much time in school over the many years of your educational career that your teachers 
are with you more than your parents are sometimes. And so the, the teachers that I had, the educators that I had over the years always taught me in a manner in which I could absorb the information and apply it into real life. But for the most part, we have an education system in Idaho and, and, and across America that really is more absorb and regurgitate. And that's not conducive to, to success. It's not conducive to educating our students and preparing them for what is beyond school, whether you know it's post-secondary education, whether it's high school, you know, let, let's be honest, there are still kids who don't go to college, who don't go to trade school, who just really, for one reason or another, start right after high school. They just get out into the workforce, get out into the quote unquote real world and work and, and do what they need to do. But we're not preparing them for it. And it's not so much the fault of the teachers because they're trying to cram as much information in in these young minds as possible in, in such a short you know, period of time, it's the structure, it's the institution, it's the foundation of, of these curriculums and how they're designed that you know, we're just trying to cram so much information to then uh, have these students regurgitate everything onto an exam. And that's how we not only you know, track success, but we, you know, it's seen as a, a key index for teacher success, and that's all wrong. It, it's absolutely an archaic, unreasonable way to go about it. We need an education system that allows students to absorb the information they're, they're receiving and for teachers to have the breathing room and the flexibility to teach at their pace and the, the, uh, about the topics that, that they are subject matter experts on and and then apply it and how does that apply to real life you know how is this unit in math going to help me become an architect or how is this unit in history going to help me as a public servant when it comes to lawmaking or executing and enforcing laws that are are sent to the desk of the governor. You know, that, that's the education system we need. And in doing that, we then lead into the other topics. If you're educating kids in a manner in which they're absorbing and applying, then discussions about how to preserve and, and save our environment or how to handle and, and live through a public health crisis, if there are any, or just in general, managing a public health environment, you know, you're, you're going to have students who are more educated, more informed, and who base their decisions and base their facts on concrete evidence and uh, applicable factors and variables and experience and education on these matters. Going into the subject of the environment, you know, I want to live in a future, and I want to give a future to my kids where they have clean air to breathe, clean water to drink. We're not having still, you know, lead pipes from the 20th century or late 19th century still funneling through the water in our country and in our state that have all this, you know, lead poisoning and, and things like that. We need 
a clean water system, infrastructure system in place in our country. And the Build Back Better plan, that part of it does have the focus on upgrading and updating our our pipes in the water infrastructure system and allowing for clean water to pass through and getting rid of all these pipes that are so old and were made of of all these different materials that include lead and and could affect people's health. So that's the future that I want and that I hope for and that I work for and I strive for every day, even in the Parks and Recreation Commission. When we have a a plan for either a new park or even a street corner that we're going to to quote unquote beautify or, or make into a rest stop or something like that, One of the things that I I like to propose and that I like to initiate is a discussion of, can we get more indigenous plants or pollinator plants at that section, at that specific location? And yes, it may be a more expensive option at times, or it may be a a bit of a more difficult option versus, you know, the, the regular everyday shrub that you can get at Lowe's or Home Depot. But the impact is greater. The, the, the benefit outweighs the cost in that because an indigenous plant or a pollinator plant has a, a stronger environmental impact and benefit if it's planted in the right spot and used appropriately and used consistently. So you get more bee attraction, you get more pollinator attraction, and that then contributes in the chain of environmental stewardship and, and continuity. So many individuals and so many lawmakers on a on one side or the other have politicized it, and it's it's really sad. It's really discouraging because I don't understand where living in a world where there's clean air, clean water, green grass, where I can see blue skies and not smog and ash and having sludge in the waters or or pollutants and contaminants became a partisan issue. So many on a particular side of today's politics and and politics in general have said, oh, well, if you want to pass certain environmental laws, you're you're a tree hugger. And and it's it's so wrong. It's so distorted and it's used as a weapon. And so we have individuals weaponizing one of the most nonpartisan foundational issues of our world of life. I've been kind of sticking to a a more secular aspect of it, but if you wanna talk about biblical terms, I mean, it was one of our first responsibilities that, that God gave man, gave the first humans. He said, take care of my, of my creation, uh, be fruitful and multiply, but take care of it. I'm giving it to you. It's, it's my greatest gift to you. And so there's a there's a, a side in, in American politics, especially who, although have a strong evangelical base and have a sort of self-declared claim over Christianity and the Bible, which granted is a, is a complete hogwash. Nobody can have claim or sole ownership over Christianity or the Bible, but they, they have this uh, this self-created mentality. And yet they're the ones who typically will demonize someone who wants to switch from a paper bag to a plastic bag or, or vice versa. 
to reduce the amount of plastic that's in our environment and, and things like that. So it's almost a, a, a hypocritical, you know, double standard. You know, you say you want to be so holy, but those who are actually trying to preserve the environment that God gave us are just the, the, end, the absolute enemy of humanity. Last but not least, and I'll, and I'll wrap that up, public health. Again, if you can have an education system that is based on reality, that is based on concrete evidence, that is based on absorb the information and apply it into reality and into the real world, we can handle public health. We can have a successful, strong public health system and one that allows us to be prepared in the event of any catastrophe, like the one we had going into, you know, maybe year three. And we are going into year three instead of having put it behind us because there are so many out there who don't live in reality. There are so many out there who grew up in a very poor education system. And I don't mean poor on the socioeconomic standard. I'm talking about poor on the quality. And again, not because of the teachers. Teachers are doing the best they can. And, you know, God bless teachers. They are doing the best they can. Now, you're going to have a few bad apples. They're always going to be there who try to go a step over what an educator should be doing and maybe injecting their own personal bias into it, but they're few and far between. We have so many people out there who have allowed themselves to be brainwashed and misinformed, ill-educated on this particular subject. And it's, again, been politicized and demonized and we are going into year three of a global pandemic. If everyone in, in this country had had an education system and an educational career that was structured on the, on the principles and on the core components that I mentioned earlier, we wouldn't be in year three. We would have had individuals who wouldn't have created conspiracy theories to politicize this, this pandemic. We would have all you know, done what we needed to do, gotten the vaccine, followed the guidelines, everything, just get it over with. Do what you need to do, do what we need, what we needed to be, uh, to do and what needed to be done to get through this and get past this. But a poor education system allowed for those who were poorly educated, who were poorly informed and misinformed to be kind of controlled and, and manipulated by external forces, external actors, lawmakers, trolls on, on social media to be resistant, to be rebellious and, and you know, rebellious, not in the good sense, because a little bit of, uh, of uh, rebelliousness is great and healthy. But when it's to the detriment of society as a whole, friends, family, loved ones, community, then, then that's, that's toxic. That's dangerous. So yeah, the, those, those issues, they're all, they all go hand in hand, but at the foundation of it all, it's education. And we, we need a stronger education system. Sure. And there, there's a lot, right. there's a lot to unpack there, obviously. Um, so I just kind of want to take this one step at a time. So one big thing you touched on 
numerous times was that the foundation of good education is basically teaching students how to learn, not necessarily what to learn, but how to learn. It's that whole concept you talked about of absorb and then apply. And so I think a lot of times, and, and touching on the environmental issues and public health, especially with COVID, there's this, this, this idea, and, and, I, and I understand why it's so prevalent. There's this idea that if you lie to me enough, I'm going to stop trusting you. And I think that's what has happened more or less with COVID. I think we've seen in the past where there's been instances where, you know, take swine flu, for example, most people just went along with it, did they were supposed to, and we ended it. That was the end. We don't see swine flu anymore. However, with COVID, I think that there's been so many instances over the last however many decades of people just frankly being lied to or tricked or deceived by the government. It's like, for example, you've got under Bush, you had the Patriot Act, you know, under Obama, you had the National Defense Authorization Act, you had a number of other policies that allowed the government to spy on people. I mean, that, that came out with Edward Snowden, the whole NSA thing. There's just, and that's, you know, tip of the iceberg. There's been so many instances where the government has done something they shouldn't. And so I think a lot of times people hear that and they say, okay, well, obviously I shouldn't trust this entity for, you know, ABC reason. Well, then a pandemic comes out. They say, oh, well, here's what you need to do. You got to get the vaccine. You got to wear a mask, yada, yada, yada. And, and, I, and I agree with you. I think that there's definitely, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of lack of education, a lot of a lack of that critical thinking that comes to certain things, even just basic biology, you know, paying attention in science classes. But I think at the same time, there's enough of that distrust that goes around that they hear that and they mm -hmm. think, yeah, I think you're full of shit. And they disregard it, which I, I, I mean, it's tough. It's like, you, you know, you, you see deception so many times eventually yeah. you're going to feel like everything's deception. You know, it's like if I lied to you 10 times in a row and then I said something to you an 11th time, you have good reason to think exactly. the 11th time. Exactly. And, and that distrust not. is, it's what's going to break society. It's what's going to lead us to an irrevocable destruction or, or chaos. Or, I mean, if there's no trust, there's nothing. That's ev in every aspect of life. And when the trust is not there and on a societal global level that's when wars break out that's when insurrections break out i mean there's it's just when is it's a matter of not if but when absolutely and something else you touched on that i, I really want to actually dive deeper into especially being an elected official yourself and working in politics for a pretty big chunk of your professional life you, you said a quote, and I, I love this. It's, if the right people don't run and hold office, the wrong people will. And I think that that's a huge point to focus on because I don't think most people are innately distrustful in the system of government we have. I don't think most people are distrustful in how a free market economy works. I don't think most people are distrustful in how the republic was set up or what the constitution stands for. I think it almost always comes down to the individuals that hold those offices. And so I'm curious, you talked about if the right people don't run and hold office, the wrong people will. Can you uh, sure. kind of elaborate so, on that? Your just, personal just experience? For the record, um, my position on the Parks and Recs Commission is a, uh, an appointed volunteer position. Um, it's, uh, it's not elected, thankfully. But, uh, but uh, on, that, on that particular subject, you know, it, it's hard to describe it without naming names and getting getting partisan uh, politics involved. But but we've seen over the last five years, five and a half years, and sometimes in previous 
aspects of history where we've had the wrong unqualified individual elected to office and the repercussions of that lack of experience and and so forth were damaging sometimes the damage rippled into later decades and later centuries sometimes that rippled into not just affecting america but affecting the world and you know it's it's tough because when you go into politics especially at anything above a statewide level i mean even at the state level but you know in idaho particularly for example you don't find out about a scandal until after it happens you don't really have and then again you know if if that particular elected official runs again and wants a redemption moment then that you know past comes to haunt them but at the state level you really don't have that sort of 24/7 paparazzi around elected officials to where when someone when they're running for office you know a, a state lawmaker for example is running for office you don't really have all these scandalous news stories breaking on the Idaho Press Tribune or or on the Idaho Statesman most of the time it happens afterward and then if they again want to come back and, and make a comeback you know that's kind of the stories that haunt them and and come back to bite them later on in in that second round but overall a lot of people don't want to run for office a lot of good people don't want to run for office not because they have anything to hide but they don't want that scrutiny and that constant harassment from the paparazzi from the media into their lives they just want to like myself and, and others run for office because we want to do what's right and do what's good for our communities for our country for our state and then be done and go home at the end of the day spend time with our families and live our regular normal lives outside of the halls of government on the other hand people who live their lives in a more irresponsible and arrogant way don't care either because they have a ton of money and they can buy silence or their money makes up for whatever flaws they have whatever the case they don't care and they run because shoot whatever whatever the the fertilizer uh that's stinking up their closet is going to come out it's going to come out and maybe it already has come out and they just don't care they they have such a thirst for power they have such a thirst to infect our our government with their recklessness with their toxicity with everything else that they just are going to do it anyway and if they win then they're they're unchained they're unleashed and they they spread their their toxicity and their their arrogance and their ignorance like a virus you know it's it's interesting two quotes kind of come to mind um one of them and everybody knows it is that power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely obviously when people get a taste of that power sometimes they can go to their heads not with everybody it's not always the case we obviously have individuals throughout history that have been you know incredibly impactful incredibly powerful but it doesn't absolutely just corrupt them another thing that comes to mind is and and i saw this this was originally as a reference to somebody like um donald trump is that once you get to a point and you've obtained that kind of wealth and that kind of societal power and influence 
really the only next big step for you to move up is essentially political power, right? Because you run out of things to conquer. I mean, if you if you're worth billions of dollars, getting a Ferrari doesn't mean anything. Being with all these super attractive models doesn't mean anything. Being at a party or living in a penthouse, a mansion, whatever, none of it means anything at a certain point. And so the next step is political power. And so I think that that's I think that's really interesting to touch on, kind of that that arrogance that comes along with that. That there's a certain level where it's kind of like you know I'm hot shit and I need the next level to go up to. But I think a lot of times, and kind of circling back to your comments on education, public health, and the environment, I think a lot of people hear this kind of stuff and they think, you know what, the Build Back Better bill with Biden or Trump or any of these huge national things, or even just people at the state level who ran for office, you know, say somebody might be running for governor or someone who's a state lawmaker, they think, you know what, this stuff is way above my pay grade. I have nothing to do with it. I, what impact do I have on a multi-trillion dollar spending bill? And so- when people don't know how to make an impact, or like you said, they don't want that kind of scrutiny into their personal lives, it seems like inaction is the unfortunate choice they have to make. So touch it on each one of these. I kind of want you to answer them separately. So touch on each one of these things, public health and the environment. What are some things people can do to make a difference on a small level in their be own engaged, lives or be in their involved, own communities? Be educated, be informed, and really, really verify the information that you are getting. As, as a society, we have glorified the individual for so long and for so much that it has had the counter effect of what we probably were initially trying to strive for. And that is, you know, yes, we have to empower the individual, but we forgot to, at some point, we forgot to remind the individual, the now empowered individual, that that empowerment that they have should go towards the benefit of not just themselves, but toward the benefit of all of society. You know, we are a fabric of society is the, the old adage. And if you pull one string, the whole thing unravels. And so if that individual is so, yes, empowered, that's great, but so introspective that they cannot look outside their door, uh, into the greater you know, fabric of society, society unravels because then everyone who is an empowered individual is so introspective and, and looking only within themselves and nobody's looking outward. Nobody's looking outward about the health and safety of others. No one is looking out for the overall stewardship of the environment because, oh, well, someone else will take care of it. Someone else will do it. Oh, you know, I'm too busy. I'm sure someone else will do it. And if everybody has that mindset, nobody's going to do it. It's just going to be stalled. It's going to be stagnant. So engaging, participating, reaching out, extending a, a hand of cooperation, be a good Samaritan. But again, do so on an informed and educated basis. Make sure that the sources that you're, you're referring to and that you're referencing and that you're using to go about engaging and, and, and participating and serving are legitimate sources and, and resources that are grounded in facts, evidence, logic, not things that are conspiratorial, that are disproven, that are dysfunctional, and, and that are frankly, damaging and dangerous. So really just shrugging off the apathy, 
and shrugging off the introspection and more of be, being the good Samaritan, being a good and decent human being. That's where it all comes down to, being a good and decent human being and, and sharing that, paying it forward towards your, your community, towards your friends, family, and loved ones, not just within yourself. American individualism and American exceptionalism is a really strange and unique concept. So personally, um, I'm huge on the idea of the individual. I think that the individual is the supreme minority. I think that we need to take care of the individual at the end of the day. I think individual rights are massive. But I think that what's happened is that that idea of individual rights and individual liberties has been muddied up with, well, I don't have any kind of role to play in my community. So President John Adams, during the early 1800s, he wrote a series of letters to his wife, Abigail Adams, at the time. And it was really interesting. There's, there's hundreds of these on file. And it's fascinating because there's this almost apathy towards the American public. And that's crazy to think from you know, one of the most famous founding fathers. But there was this apathy towards Americans because he felt that the virtue of Americans and the values they held were so aligned with American exceptionalism and individualism that he was concerned in the event another major war came up, such as the revolution or another you know, societal challenge, so to speak. He didn't think Americans could even hold together. He actually didn't even think the Republic was going to survive. A lot of the founding fathers didn't. I think James Madison was the only one who didn't get kind of disheartened by the, uh, the future of the Republic. But um, it, it's just really interesting to kind of seeing that you know, now 250 years later, that something John Adams was talking about with Americans being so focused on themselves that they completely ignore their community, that nowadays we're seeing kind of the same thing. You know, and I think part of that falls into the, I distrust my government, I distrust these people category. But I think too, that it's very easy. And I think that applies to what you're talking about, that whole knowing how to understand information and use it in a way that actually makes sense. And then applying that rather than just blanketing everything is all, well, you know, this doesn't align with what I believe is right. So it must, exactly. it must be and wrong, right? It's, it's sad. It's, we have gone from having philosophical differences to now it is absolute animosity. There is no longer just uh, agreement to disagree to then, you know, move forward and kind of come up with a, a compromise. It is now us versus them. And that's what's going to lead to, to, you know, what the founders feared, which is that, that damage of society. If, if you do not agree with me, you are my enemy. And that's absolutely wrong because it may just be one thing that there's a disagreement on. And then 99% of the other things you agree on, but you'll never find out if they don't talk to you about it. 100% I'm on the same page with you. I actually, funny enough, I actually just saw a post today on Facebook. Somebody was, I, I guess, more or less complimenting um, Dwayne Johnson, the rock, they were just saying, you know, he seems like a really stand up guy. I think that he seems like he's a really cool person. I love, you know, his philanthropy and that he likes to give back. And a lot of the comments were like, yeah, I totally agree. He seems super cool. I love his movies, whatever. But one of the comments was just like, yeah, well, you know, he's a piece of crap. He's a Biden supporter. And he ended up lashing at the guy who actually made the post. And the post had nothing to do with his politics. Didn't have to do with anything politically, but that got dragged into the conversation. And I think that a big thing that people seem to lose sight of, especially nowadays, you and I don't have to agree politically. We don't have to be the same party. We don't have to even believe the same policies, 
we can be different in that regard. But if you get to know your neighbors, chances are you have more in common with them than what actually is going to separate you, regardless of race, culture, political party, whatever it may be. And so I like what you touched on, that it's like, if you aren't my friend, you're my enemy. That us versus them mentality, I mean, that's been used for, God, millennia now, just to separate people. And you know, obviously, we're seeing that a lot today in politics, unfortunately. I think that that's really I agree. damaging. I agree. And, the, and if the sooner we can have a, uh, a societal cultural renaissance and move past it and, and improve, the better and more successful we will be to keep to keep the republic and to keep to keep us going. I mean, uh, we're we're headed on a on a decline and we're only going faster. If we can just pump the brakes and not go backwards because there's, you know, going backwards doesn't solve anything, but go forwards and take a different route, you know, we'll, uh, we can, we have a chance at survival. Definitely. Well, Dom, this has been a really interesting interview. Um, I think it's been enlightening for both parties. I'm sure listeners are going to find it enlightening as well. And I'm really glad we got to talk Paulson up politics for a little bit today. If a listener wanted to learn more about you and what you're doing, whether that be, you know, in your own political career or with the Meridian Parks and Rec, where would they go to find Absolutely. out more Absolutely. So uh, they can always check the City of Meridian's website for uh, any updates, especially at the Parks and Rec's uh, link and, or excuse me, the Parks and Rec's page uh, on the Meridian, City of Meridian website. Or they can uh, follow my website at dom, the number four, idaho.com. Awesome. Well, again, Dom, hey, thank, thank you so you, much Justin. for joining Look us. Forward it's a pleasure to having being you. Back soon. And that's our show for this week. Stay up to date on the latest and greatest news and information by visiting our website at justincotton.com and subscribing to the Policy Not Politics newsletter. You'll know when new guides, podcasts, and more are released so that you're informed and up to date as a citizen. In the meantime, take care, enjoy yourselves, get to know your neighbors, and we'll see you next week.